The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. I want to call them poppers. Hello, poppers. <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of Retro Pop. I am one of your hosts. I'm Johnny, and I'm joined by Matt Johnson. I was like, do I do I do I say something now? Do I? Um, hello. You know, I've been I've been uh, introducing <laughs> podcasts for five years now. Uh, five plus years and i've always said people's full names now i'm just getting to where i'm just lazy and i just say first names and it's throwing everybody off because they're not used to it getting way 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 too comfortable (laughs) (laughs) but certainly damn it we're only 50 episodes into this 50 something episodes into this show and you're already slacking on the last names you're telling me let's Um, see the terrible research i've done today (laughs) uh yeah matt just real quick um i woke up this morning and just felt incredibly sore, right? I was like, man, why am I sore today? Like my shoulders and neck were sore. Why is, why is that sore? And is it because I did anything yesterday? You know what I did yesterday? Nothing. I didn't do a dang thing yesterday. The reason I'm sore is because I had the gall, the nerve to fall asleep in the position I did. And I'm 38. That's, the, <laughs> that's what happens. But man. That's yeah. Happens. That's not good. That's not good. It's awful. It's awful. Uh, if only you had an alien um, with a light up finger that could help heal you. I know. That's what I was thinking this whole time. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, then miraculously, I would feel all that much better. Uh, speaking of a healing finger. <laughs> <laughs> nothing could ever go wrong with a healing finger. Uh, <laughs> today on Retro Pop, we are continuing the theme of movies but not just movies matt alien themed movies we kind of put them together we did signs last time and this time i figured we do another classic uh i dare say uh, a movie so iconic that even just one of the scenes uh, is just ingrained in pop culture history and that is swing away e. meryl swing away meryl <laughs> <laughs> and that is et the extraterrestrial uh steven spielberg's 1970 uh 1982 film and uh i'm very excited to talk about this matt so let's get into our personal history with et et home phone so this came out the year before i was born so obviously i didn't get to see us in theaters side note Real quick, Matt, I'm really curious about this. Do you know what the first movie you remember seeing in the theater was? That's a terrific question, actually. I have a movie stub to this day. I'm sure it wasn't the first one I've seen, but I still have my Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie stub from the 1995 oh, movie. Um, that my, And I was four, maybe five years old. That might have been the first that's got to be at least one of the first, right? Right. They came out in 95, I think. 
Yeah. I think it it has to be. I can't believe my parents trusted me that young to take me to a movie theater. Um, it was either that or probably like a Toy Story. Yeah, mine was Short Circuit. Short Circuit. Johnny Five is alive, man. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook, go to Retro Pop on Facebook. Let us know what was the what was the first movie you remember ever uh, seeing. I'm very curious about that. Yeah. Very curious, but let's my, get head to ET. Yeah, my head yeah. hurt. My head hurt. This is very early for both Matt and I. Uh, so bear with us. Uh, ET. I obviously have seen this movie multiple times. I just rewatched it a couple of days ago. Matt, to me, this is one of those films that when you see it the first time, you go, "Oh, I love this movie," and then you go like a while not see. It. Like it'd been easily uh, probably a decade since I'd seen this before. And when I started, when I watched it again, just the other day, I was like, man, I forgot just how much I love this movie. You just kind of fall in love with it all over again. For No, for, yeah, I, I highly agree with, you know, with, with that statement. It's not like, uh, you know, like, like I remember last time I was talking about how I watched signs over and over again. Um, E.T. is one of those, those very charming movies that, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Like if it showed up on TV, like today, like later today, I would stop what I was doing to watch it. Yeah. it it's, it's got one of those kind of feels for you don't need to see it frequently uh but when it's on it's it, you definitely take notice yeah and it's one of the more you know most of the alien movies that come out from hollywood i mean signs even being one of those the aliens are the bad guys right they're out to uh, do terrible things to us to kill humanity that that you know you think signs you think independence day etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, but uh et is one of those where the aliens are really nice and kind and and honestly humans are the bad guys really in this yeah yep sounds about right yep <laughs> sounds <laughs> about is, right which is a lot of truth to that wow steven uh, spielberg really hit the nail back in the head on the head yeah, back then <laughs> sure did sure did uh but uh when i was younger i there was two movies that i associated with each other and they're nothing alike really Besides the fact that there's a little alien who becomes a buddy with a with a young kid, oh. uh, that is ET, which I love to death, and a little film uh, that I would say is a masterpiece called Mac and Me. <laughs> I, have I seen that? Uh, it's basically uh, a McDonald's movie. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to go with Elf for some reason. No, um, no. no. Mac Elf, and I really me. truly do think is a is a classic. Oh, it is. Yeah, Mac and Me is like if they. I'm trying to. I know it's streaming somewhere. I'm trying to remember. I highly recommend it. It's one of those movies that's pretty awful but enjoyable because it's awful. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Um, No, I I, now now I'm curious. Mac and Me. Yes. (sighs) Uh, Basically, it's this kid in this wheelchair and. Uh, this alien become and this little alien guy become friends and there's a lot and i mean a lot of mcdonald's thrown into this because they had a lot of power in in this movie i'm not even making that up like mcdonald's was behind this film in fact a good uh chunk of this movie takes place in a mcdonald's (laughs) (laughs) wow excellent product placement yeah yeah, maybe that's why I loved it so much because uh, you know, had aliens and I had McDonald's. Two things I really <laughs> like. <laughs> but I also love ET, which had aliens and Reese's Pieces. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how you, you put food and aliens together. It's, it's crazy how, how, how high we put up the movies on a pedestal and associated with good food. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But this was one of those movies that I definitely associate with watching with my family, right? It's one you can watch with the family. Uh, and, uh, and as I was re-watching it, I was just like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Oh, yeah, this is like one of Drew Barrymore's first things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like all these things just pop into my head. Uh, and one thing I really that really stood out to me this time watching it uh, as an older person now is I don't know why I never thought about this, but Spielberg really has this gift of getting really good performances out of young kids. Yes, which can't, which can't be easy. No, I'm I'm sure it's not. That's a that's a fantastic point. Um, I I, I don't know what it takes because because yeah, I mean you know some kids are it, it's it's a tough it's a tough business to be in. Yeah. Um, as a kid acting right you're a kid you want to be a kid i remember being six seven eight years old and i didn't want to do what i was being told to do but but that, that's a that's a fantastic point um very very good performance i mean drew barrymore became a star that was like her first i mean obviously first one of her first major roles and you know she's been a star ever since you know everybody loves to allude back to the uh you know back to her time in et so that's a uh that's a that's a great point great point yeah and before we get into the history of ET, the other thing that I really noticed watching this is when I, I when I was younger and I watched this, I was all focused on Elliot, right, and how he was such a big part of this movie, him and, and ET. But rewatching this, you really notice how much uh, how vital to the plot the older brother is. I don't yeah. know why I never thought about that before, but it really stood out to me this time. The older brother uh, is very very vital to this to this whole thing, and um, as a guy who never had, I, mean, I had, a, I have a younger sister, but I've never had a brother. Uh, that kind of stood out to me. Like, uh, you know, it makes you wish you had one. In a way. No, I, I'm I, sure I, people yeah. who have one may not agree with that, but <laughs> <laughs> I certainly felt like that when I first seen the movie, uh, you know, I, I remember being pretty little, uh, you know, when I first seen it, we had, that was like one of the VHSs I, I, we had, you know, that I remember growing up having. And, uh, I always got like, I was always six. I always thought it was nightmare before Christmas. The, 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 uh, the, the VHS packaging, the coloring looks similar. Yeah. I was like, Oh, cool. We got nightmare before Christmas, but it was ET. Um, I, I don't know why I, I thought that I was obviously not a very bright little child, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so we had, we did have, you know, we had ET and VHS and it was just, it was so cool for me. I think that's really one of the, those films where I got an appreciation for eighties, like culture. Yeah. I think that was one of the first big ones where I really liked it. You know, um, seeing Elliot show ET the, uh, the the Star Wars toys, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" And, and you know, w- w- with all that, but you know, this you are right. You know, I, a lot of my memories with this were were being with my family, but I always did kind of wish I had an older brother. I always did. I am the older brother. I am the the, the firstborn. Yeah. So I, I you know, Same my I, I have a brother that's eight years younger than me, and and. You know, it's I'm not going to say it influenced, but it was like, OK, you know, this this older brother is pretty vile. He's not the main character, but he's a he's a he's a pretty important plot to all this. And I guess, you know, taken from it, just be a good big brother. You know, yeah, that's, um, that's part of it. It's a very it's a very supportive family uh, overall. I mean, all the people I mean, the whole the main family, none of them are. Don't really. I mean, all all of them actually come off great to me. Yeah. Like the you know they're all it's a loving family. You can tell. It um, feels real. Like that family yes. feels real. And there's a lot of movies where I um, I see families. I'm like, nah, this isn't 
right. This isn't like yeah. something's not right about this. But yes, the the family in ET felt real and genuine, and that's why I think I I, I really do appreciate this film. Yeah, and real quick, uh, the the scene where Elliot is showing ET his Star Wars figures, he it's very very you can tell the reason that that was more real to me is because that he wasn't just showing him uh, showing ET like the the Lukes and Leias. He was showing him some uh, pretty. Uh, unless you're really into Star Wars, like you've probably seen these characters, but you wouldn't know their names. Yeah, like right, Snaggletooth and yep, and yep. all these. I'm just like, whoa, that's yeah. really cool. That's Very really cool. Dive. Very deep uh, dive. These are all toys my dad had growing up, and that's uh, he pointed that out. That was pretty cool for me. That's pretty awesome. All right, so let's get into the history of ET. Matt, we got to go all the way back to the year 1977. Steven Spielberg, by this time, was already a name thanks to Jaws. Right, Jaws came out, and that's widely considered one of the biggest or the first blockbuster hit uh, Jaws is uh, for movies. The first summer blockbuster for sure. Yeah. So in 1977, he released a little film called Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a movie that I absolutely love. Uh, and I have memories of because one time I watched it when I was younger with one of my uh, best pals, and it really uh, screwed him up because he did not like how the aliens look. <laughs> oh, they were creepy as hell. I yeah, remember, they really creepy. I remember watching that. I was like, it, it, it messed me up. It messed me up. Yeah, so this film was a, a big hit. It was a big hit. And it was put out by Columbia Pictures. So what happens when you put out a big hit? Hey, let's make a sequel, right? That's the first thing. We got to make some money off of this thing. Uh, however, Spielberg was really torn. He felt he had told the whole story for that movie, and he didn't really want to go back for a sequel. However, he had realized what had happened to him with Jaws. Right, He did the first Jaws, and he had nothing to do with any of the Jaws after that. And uh, if anybody knows the history of the Jaws sequels, they kind of fall off a little bit. <laughs> a little bit? You're being far too kind, my friend. You are being far too well, one kind. One time they're in 3D, you know? Yeah, Jaws cool, right? 3D. They, yeah. It got so bad they made fun of it in Back to the Future, right? Back to the Future 2, yeah. they made fun of it. It was like Jaws 40-something yep. uh, because of all, <laughs> all the sequels. Like, Jesus, you're good. You're good on the job. Just leave it alone at one. Just leave it alone at one. Yeah, so sequels were kind of a thing that he, that, you know, didn't taste well to him if he wasn't involved. You know, which I, which makes sense to me. If you make this movie, it's kind of your baby. Yeah. Right. And Jaws especially was, was his, you know, his coming out party pretty much that announced that he was a talent and that he can make movies that people wanted to see. Uh, and Close Encounters also did that. So instead of really coming up with a quote unquote sequel, he came up with a, what he liked to call a continuation of Close Encounters uh, with a script called night skies and matt you're gonna like this that he based this on the hopkins hopkinsville goblins mm, yeah, i didn't know that 
he heard that story and he was like, oh man, this is fascinating. Uh, but of course, the reason you've never heard of Night Skies is because it never came out. <laughs> uh, they, uh, But what they did do was they took parts of Night Skies and used those in other films. One of those, of course, being E.T. Another one, just a side note, Poltergeist. So two big films actually benefited from this movie that was never that never saw the light of day. Huge films. So basically, when Spielberg was younger, he's a family of his family. I mean, he's a child of divorce. His parents divorced when he was young. So he always wanted to kind of do a movie sort of based on how a 10 year old sort of handles that. Right. Yeah. Because that's a obviously a huge event when your parents split up. Uh, I'm very lucky that mine never have. Uh, but I know a lot of people who obviously that's that's been something that's happened to them when they're kids. Yeah. And it's, and it's not easy. It's obviously not easy. So he wanted to see how he wanted to make a movie about uh, a 10 year old kid kind of dealing with this, how they would deal with this. And then also uh, when his parents split up, one of the ways he kind of dealt with it was he came up with an imaginary friend. And uh, all this kind of turned into the makings of E.T. Because if you think about it, E.T. is basically, and we'll get into the plot here soon, but E.T. is basically the story of not just an alien landing becoming friends with a kid. It's also about this kid whose family, you can tell, is a family of divorce. And he's trying to figure it out. And he's the middle kid. It's always tough. Yeah, and it's always tough. And... uh and then he meets this friend who kind of changes everything for him, kind of helps him out. So, yeah. Uh, Spielberg knew who he wanted to get to write this screenwriter, Melissa Matheson. And she's a big name. She's uh, a big name. And the other reason you might know her is uh, at the time she was married to uh, a, a man you may have heard of called Harrison Ford. Uh, Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so she wrote the first draft of E.T. Uh, and Spielberg liked this draft so much that he took it directly to Columbia Pictures. And they would ultimately pass on this because they were already making another movie about aliens. And they didn't want to kind of put up two, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, But they gave the rights back to Spielberg so he could, if he wanted to make it, get somebody else to make it. And... He goes to Universal Studios, and they, of course, uh, intelligently said, sure. Right, yeah, that's what, I mean, Jaws was through Universal, so they know he can do, um, they know he can pull it off. They know he can he can make it work and make it make, make some money with it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and you know Columbia's kicking themselves after this movie comes out, just FYF, just a future, letting you guys know this movie. Looking at yeah, looking at the stats. Uh, Spoiler alert: This movie did pretty well. T- terrible, terrible decision yeah. on Columbia's part. All right, so let's get into the a quick uh, plot of the film. The movie opens up pretty awesomely. It's going to catch your attention because you open up with aliens. You see the ship, the spaceship landed in the woods somewhere, and these bad guys show up. Which Spielberg talks about in a. I watched one of the making of videos you can find on YouTube. He part you purposely never see any of these. Uh, men who are chasing aliens' faces for a long time. Uh, all you see is like this one guy with the keys, right? He's a, His keys are dangling, and that's, you kind of see just their midsections, or you see them in uh, silhouettes and that type of thing. You never actually see their faces. Right. 
and they start chasing E.T. and the aliens. But E.T. eventually gets away. Then we meet the main family, which is Elliot, of course, and then you have Drew Barrymore as the sister and then the older brother and the mom and also the older brother's buddies who will come back into play. Uh, Elliot then, uh, when he's, uh, when, uh, you know, poor Elliot uh, is the one who has to go get pizza just so he can play D and D with the, the older kids. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so he goes and gets the pizza, uh, but that's when he hears something out in the backyard and Elliot eventually meets ET. And I forgot how quickly it was, but it wasn't too long after that. He actually showed the, the two, the two siblings actually meet ET as well. It's not too long after yeah, it's it's it's, it's it's relatively quick. He actually like trusted them with that. Yeah, yeah which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually it's like one of those, those those plot things where you delay it, you delay it, and they, they stumble upon it. And it's like, oh, we got to hide from the parents kind of thing, which, you know, obviously they did that part. But usually it's a it's a delay with, with the yeah. uh, with the fellow siblings. It was, it, was, it was very unique, very unique. Yeah, you can tell he trusted it. them pretty much really quickly. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was pretty cool. So, but uh, eventually, E.T. and Elliot, uh, you you realize they formed a bond. Uh, as in, there's a really funny scene where Elliot is at school and E.T. is at home, and you know E.T. is kind of going through all the stuff. Like he drinks a beer, and then Elliot gets drunk uh, at school. <laughs> uh, you know, and one of the things that really disturbed me, Matt, is the teacher is going around with these frogs. And putting these frogs in these jars, and he's putting this—I uh, forgot what it was—but something basically to make to kill the frog in a quote-unquote humanly way. Yeah, <laughs> and mean. like, and I was thinking about like if I was a kid, like even to me now, but if I was a kid, that would devastate me. And because this teacher even said, "You can watch it, or you don't have to watch." It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> That's messed up. And on top of that. I think they're supposed to dissect these frogs after that. <laughs> yes. Like, there is no way. There is no way I'd be able to do any of that. Hell and, no. Hell no. Uh, I just couldn't. I just wouldn't be able to handle it. <laughs> but uh, neither could uh, Elliot because thanks to some influence of ET, he frees the frogs, right? Causes a big ruckus. Um, but one thing you notice, too, is that ET really does need to phone home, as he says, because... The longer he stays here and he's away from his family, he's actually getting sick. He's getting sicker and sicker. And as he gets sick because of their bond, Elliot, too, is getting sick. Uh, but, so eventually, though, E.T. is able to build some pretty wild device, and they take it out to the woods, and he uh, is able to phone home. And this is also when the bad guys, of course, show up. And then you get this really emotional scene, basically, where uh, E.T. dies. And all the kids think he's dead. Uh, and it's really like, it still got me to the other day. Uh, not going to lie. It still kind of hit me. And it does mess you up. It's a, it's a sad scene. It, yeah. it's, I, I remember being a kid and crying about that. And even still, I'm just an emotional person. And it's still like, it's still hard to watch. Yeah. Matt and I cry together a lot. We do. So, yeah. yeah, we do. Uh, that's why my eyes are in such, are like never dry though. Cause I am just constantly just. <laughs> sobbing yeah <laughs> you know like that one time where we were doing a pro wrestling episode and uh the website shut down on me and i was crying i was crying yeah. there when you know when i was trying to read the stats portion of the show <laughs> i still remember that <laughs> uh, but uh, eventually you find out that et is barely alive he's barely i mean he's barely alive when the older brother finds him even but he's barely alive here 
and the kids rescue et and along with the older brother's buddies they get on the bicycles and they run from by the way the police who have guns drawn on these children (laughs) and they say america doesn't have a police problem (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was really noticing like they were running around chasing these kids like when they find the van, you know, the van that they get away with, uh, get away in, and they think the kids might still be in the van. These police are running up there, just holding all of them, holding their pistols, ready to go <laughs> in front of the mom, by the way, who's also in the crowd with them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but eventually, thanks to ET helping them fly, they get away and they uh, meet ET's family, and it's a very emotional but awesome ending to the movie ET. I thought this was like kind of like a perfect story told from beginning to end but that is the movie of et that's how it goes Uh, if you have not seen it for whatever reason uh it is on peacock you can go watch it that way that's how i watched it uh highly recommend it it's a very very good film Uh, the movie was released june 11th 1982 and i won't get into the actual stats i'm gonna leave it for matt but the movie obviously was a smashing success smashing success that's putting it lightly yeah it uh it 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 it, i mean it was another just spielberg hit but um but yeah i mean for for kids at that time you don't really expect that those sort of numbers it was a a family-oriented movie but you don't expect those kind of numbers but it like from what i've read from what i've watched from what i understand like when pokemon like came to the u.s and like it was this big pop culture shock et was that back in the early 80s that's from from what i've gathered maybe not nearly as big um but it was relevant it was relevant uh, it was like that i would say it's on that level for sure uh it, it would actually go on to i will not give any numbers but it passes star wars and it was like the most uh it made the most money until another film came out that of course is another spielberg film called jurassic park uh it was critically acclaimed. I think if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like a, a 98% or something like that. It's a very high percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. It won some Oscar awards. Uh, it was re-released several, several times in the year when it came out. Uh, in 1994, it was added to the National Film Registry of the Library of Congress, which means they consider it historically important. Uh, so this movie kind of did all that stuff. Uh, it really... You know, we talked about how good of a run that, you know, M. Night Shyamalan had with the, his early movies, you know, Sixth Sense, Signs, Unbreakable, The Village, those type of things. Those are really good movies. That's that's a phenomenal first four. Spielberg, most certainly. Yeah, uh, he did pretty well for himself. Yes. <laughs> I dare say so. I mean, you have Jaws, uh, Close Encounters, E.T. Uh, this guy could do no wrong, so. Uh, and the and he was breaking his own records. That's how you know you're good if the records you're breaking are your own. <laughs> you know? I know, he's literally like the Tom Brady of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, he really is. And what's wild is the other guy who was breaking box office records. Uh, like that's one of his good friends. <laughs> so, yeah, George Lucas. They're yeah. very they're they're very very close. Um, and there's a lot there's the relationship. It, it it's 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 actually really cool. You get to see it in film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I actually, got, I actually got a really 
Awesome. Cool. Did you know? I was I was hoping if it's the one I'm thinking of, I'm glad you did because I, I wanted to say something to you before this episode about it. I didn't get a chance to. So um <laughs> so yeah, it's you know, Spielberg is just iconic. He's great. Um everything he's put his hands on pretty much is, you know, pretty much gold. He's a, he's another one of those guys. If I see his name attached to something, uh, my interest is peaked. Yes, you're more inclined to go see it. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. Yep. So, but that's ET, Matt. I think it's time for us to get into some Matt's stats about ET. Especially for systems from Atari. The video game that lets you help E.T. get home. Just in time for Christmas. Happy Holidays from Atari. All right, I guess it's time for uh, me to do some stuff and some things. All right, here we go. So E.T., like we said, smash hit. Really, really successful uh, movie. Its budget was $10.5 million. Which sounds like a lot for 82, right? For the 80s, early 80s to me. 80s, yeah. I would dare say so. You got to think the costume, special effects. Yes. Um, or I mean, just the E.T., I mean, animatronic, making that thing work. It, it, or was, I don't even know. was it animatronic or somebody in a suit? I don't even know. It was uh, all of that. It was not it was, everything combined. It was a puppet. It was a couple of guys in a suit. It was all these things. Yeah. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot to that. So 10 Definitely point practical f- effects, which I very much appreciated. I mean, this is oh. before CG for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, 10.5 million. That Yeah, that's that's a pretty good number. Um, as a future Steven Spielberg character would say, I spared no expense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the box office earned. So. You know, I, this is international. This is being at home. Seven hundred and ninety-two point nine million. I'd say they made their money back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, Spielberg could, could have probably retired after that. Yeah. And everybody kind of, you know, could have retired after that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did pretty good for themselves, I dare say. And some of the actors in the movie sort of did, you know. Uh, like some of them kind of disappear after this. Yeah. I mean, I think Barrymore was the, I think she was one of the few, if not the only one to have a, like a, a long career. Yeah. After, after this, I don't, I don't remember too much the Elliot, you know, the actor who played Elliot he was in a couple movies, but I can't, I can't remember what they are off the top yeah. of my head, but he was it, in a few. It's one of those things where you like, you get, you know, we see it all the time with actors. You get kind of tied to a role and people can't look past it. You know what I mean? Like Ralph Macchio, like outside of being the karate kid, um, you know, what else did he do? You yeah, know, people it, forget about the other stuff. And he was a really good actor. Like, yeah. uh, um, 
I'm blanking on the names of the movies, but he was in a couple others that I'd seen, and he was good in those. Right, so, but he's always going to yeah. be a t- he's always going to he's always going to be the Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I it's just inflation. No, it's not inflated. So its opening weekend was huge. All right, its opening weekend again. You keep it. It, it surpassed its budget on its opening weekend. Eleven point nine million dollars earned. Well. Which was two point seven percent of its total gross, so it made it like that's like crazy. Um, it was available in uh, opening weekend, one thousand one hundred one theaters, and uh, it finished up with three. It hit three thousand and ten theaters during its run. It was uh, it averaged about twenty point six weeks per movie theater. That's that's a good run. Yeah. Yeah, I dare say so. Uh, let's see. What do we got here next? Let's take a look at. Um, yeah, let's take a look at some other stuff. So uh, the film sold over 15 million VHS units. Uh, so it did pretty self for that. And uh, with that 15 million VHS units, it grossed more than $250 million in video sales revenue. Uh, the VHS cassette was rented 6 million times during its first two weeks Wow! in 1988. You think, I mean, it's been, what, 30 years since then? Yeah. Wow. How many times it's been rented over in the revenue? I mean, this thing's still making money. They keep re-releasing it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, however, that record was broken the following year. Batman. Batman must have. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. The 2012 release of E.T. on DVD, both DVD and Blu-ray, Earned $24.4 million in sales revenue as of uh, 2017. And then the merchandise, right? The merchandise. The biggest mer- Some of the biggest merchandise that came for that movie was the E.T. doll. The- that makes sense, right? It does. September of 1982, they sold, keep in mind, 1982, they sold 15 million E.T. dolls. Well, well. 15 million in September of 82 and was the best selling toy that Christmas season. Well, think about it. If you're a little kid and you've seen this movie and you're like, he's got an alien best friend, you're going to want an alien best friend. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had their spot in universal too. And they they were selling those five, six years ago when I was there, they were still selling the ET doll 15 million in 1982. Um, as of 1998, ET has generated more than one billion dollars in merchandise sales, and that's right. like 20 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's even more now. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, as far as films go, ET is the seventh highest grossing film of all time. And think with, of all the big movies that have come out since for sure with inflation. Impressive. With inflation, yeah. I'm going to read off um, each and every one of them because I'm sure people will be excited for it. But yes, with inflation, 2020 adjusted for inflation, number 10 all time is Star Wars The Force Awakens, which uh, $2.2 billion worldwide gross. Number nine, Dr. Zivago came out in 1965, uh, $2.253 million. Number eight, The Ten Commandments, which came out in 1956, $2.377 billion. Uh, Zavago should have been billion too. My apologies on that. 
ET comes in at number seven, 2.511 billion. All right. Again, inflation came out in 1982. Number six with the sound of music. Number five, Avengers Endgame. Number four, the original Star Wars. Number three, Titanic. Number two, that overrated movie, Avatar. Can't oh, stand it. We're oh. on the same page there, my friend. Oh, I talk, <laughs> it's so, it's so true. Oh, man. I, I cannot tell you how much that movie when it came out. Like, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. And then all my friends saw it and they hyped it up so bad i was like i'll finally go see it i'll go see it and i was bored <laughs> like the special effects and the uh and the place like in well, the uh beautiful movie I've ever seen. beautiful it's beautiful looking the movie itself is stunning it's gorgeous honestly but the actual film the story and stuff i i just couldn't get into it it is it is matrix it is the matrix yes just pretty it's, it's the matrix three yeah <laughs> Part three. <laughs> basically basically yeah to so me. bad uh yeah, but avatar hey, maybe, maybe nope. the sequel will come out one day maybe to avatar I, I gotta run to the theater see it i don't even know if i've watched avatar front to back to be honest perfectly honest with you. that's how much i dislike this movie um but number one is gone with the wind it's come out in 1939 so yeah. inflation has definitely definitely benefited that that is 3.739 billion dollars in gross so um so to be again you think of all the films that have come out all the mega hits you know et with inflation is a is a top 10 highest grossing movie of all time and movies are made to be you know made for money we're not done yet though all right i don't know how much johnny's gonna get into this (laughs) uh definitely gonna tell the tale okay you're gonna tell the tale i won't tell the tale but i will talk about et the video game statistics Okay. I'm um, sure they're phenomenal. Oh, they're they're great. All right. So uh the game sold 1.5 million units, which is good upon release. Very it's oh that's great. Yeah. Think about you know how video games were back then. Um, it's great, it's wonderful. All right, so it was on the top 15 video game sales list in December 1982 and 1983, like all time, or it was among the top four, excuse me. And uh, it sold over 2.6 million copies by the end of 1982. So it's uh, it's it's, which makes sense, right? The movie comes out; it's a big hit. Um, They we can go and tell the story now. I think we should just tell the story now. Okay. Uh, So basically, the gist of it is, and you can see, there's plenty of documentaries about this, uh, about just this video game in particular, because it was for a long time considered one of the worst video games ever made. Uh, Basically. Uh, this movie ET comes out. It's a smash hit, and then this is also when Atari was a pretty big deal in uh, being a home console, which was this uh, one of the first of its kind, and it was one of the most the first successful one of its kind, I should say. And uh, they go, "Hey, we need to make an ET game, right? Uh, we got to cash in on this, and we need it out before Christmas because that, of course, is when you're going to sell a lot." So they. <laughs> had the guy program this and make this and they gave him like the ridiculously shortest window you could possibly have. Yep. And this was a well-known guy. I'm blanking on his name, but he made a lot of other games that are actually quite good. Uh, but of course this is the one he gets known for <laughs> is this one. Um, back in this era in the eighties and even in the nineties, this is before the internet. So this is well before when a game comes out that you can check on if it's good or not. Uh, you're kind of just, just hoping that you're going to, sp- plop down your 60 bucks and you're getting a good game out of it right 
just taking a leap of faith. That's what buying games was for me, even in the early nineties was sure. a leap of faith. Because <laughs> uh, uh, you didn't have all the magazines. I told you all the scores and stuff, uh, but that's, that's how it was. No, I mean, people? video games were in its infancy in the eighties when this yes. game came out, there was, yes. there's not the, the, like, like Johnny said, there's not this huge mega culture surrounding it. It was actually almost frowned upon. It wasn't very, it wasn't viewed as a long lasting form of entertainment. In the right. early eighties, people didn't right. think it's, it's it's just a fad. It's gonna go away. Yes. Obviously, they were very wrong, but but ET now it makes more put, money than movies do. Yeah, but that's no, it does. Knows. Yeah, uh, but uh, basically, uh, the game comes out. Of course, it comes out for Christmas, so you're going to get this. Is going to happen. Parents are like, "Oh, my kid loved ET. I'm going to get him the game." That's what's going to happen, right? Uh, and basically, the game itself. If you've never ever seen it, we covered this on Retro Bliss. Cheap plug for my other show. Uh, we actually played this game and reviewed it. Uh, you're, you're ET and you're walking along, uh, you're running from, uh, a, a guy from the government. It looks like, which that all makes sense, right? That kind of makes sense for the movie. Yeah. Uh, but what doesn't make sense is the fact that you fall in holes all the time and you got to figure out how to get out. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't understand that. Don't get it at all. Uh, I will say though, just a side note, while this game is not good, there's no way you can say it's good. Uh, for even for my own show, Retro Bliss, I played plenty of games that I considered way worse than this one. <laughs> but what made this one pretty bad is it's a based on a, a a big movie, and b a lot of people originally bought it before they knew it was garbage. <laughs> yeah, yep. And and c, uh, they recently there's a documentary about this where it was confirmed that long heard rumor that that Atari had buried a bunch of these in a the landfill. That was a, a rumor. I think it was in New Mexico or somewhere out west. Yeah, somewhere. New Mexico. Yep. Uh, but it's actually true. They uh, dug some up, and that's where they were. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It it crippled the video game industry. Yes, uh, people lost their mind with year. that. And Pac Man, people yes. lost their minds. Yeah, because Pac Man on the Atari is atrocious. It's nothing oh, like what you so want it to bad. be. It's so uh, and uh, literally, I think it was a year or maybe even less than that later. That's when the big video game collapse happened. Yep, yep, video game crash in 1983. But yeah, so yeah, so Johnny gave the you know the the, the big long full story of it. Um so of that original batch that were were bought, 669,000 copies were later returned in 1983 and uh be, between 2.5 and 3.5 million cartridges went unsold. <laughs> Actually, if I'm not mistaken, they made more copies of ET then there were Ataris out there in the in the world. I believe I've heard that too. It's either I, I'm pretty sure it's for this one. So they, I mean, 3.5 million cartridges, and there weren't even that. Was, I think that was double the amount of Ataris actually out there, like sold officially sold and accounted for. Um, they later stated that mostly grandmothers bought the game <laughs> because <laughs> uh, word of mouth, children actually preferred the better selling Pitfall. So yep. grandmothers bought it. Um, yeah, Pitfall is a, a, a far superior game on the Atari for sure. Oh, it's it, it's it's very cool. But yeah, I mean that's your stats. That's your mad stats in a nutshell. Yeah, it was a ET was bad. The video game, <laughs> real bad. So, um, all right, let's head on over to Johnny Townsend's. Did you know? I don't believe in you all my life. Every day. I love you. 
we're going to have some fun with this. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, a quick note. I think I kind of think this kind of started the long tradition of a lot of your movie-based video games just not being good. <laughs> a lot oh, of the, the, I yeah. only played two or three good ones in my lifetime. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm about to say. Like the, the fact is, if one's good, it stands out. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Matheson, the one who wrote the script for E.T., her first draft. Essentially, while there was other drafts, I think eventually there was three drafts, but her first draft was actually used as the shooting script hmm. while he was shooting the movie, while Spielberg was shooting the movie. And that is really rare. A lot of movies don't do that. They yeah, you get a revisionist, you get three, four yep. at least. Yeah, so, so that was cool. very unusual. Another thing that was unusual was Spielberg did not storyboard this movie. Uh, and especially for a movie with special effects shots and stuff, that is something that they almost always do and still do to this day. And he didn't do it. Uh, basically, what he had, what he did was he'd have Madison write him uh, what he knew he was going to shoot uh, shoot that day because they kind of shot this movie in order too, by the way, which is also unusual. Yes. Uh, but he would have her like write him little uh, the script in pieces, like he would have like little note cards with the script he's going to shoot that day, and he would just use that, and it would kind of improvise from that and stuff like uh, of that nature hmm. the very first person cast for this movie of course a very young drew barrymore the very first one she really impressed him with her imagination and stuff he says when she came into audition uh peter uh coyote or coyote i don't know exactly how you say his last name looks Coitus? like coyote. is that how it is <laughs> It looks like Cody. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the one who played the one government official who was kind of who had sympathy yeah. for ET. He's the one that you kind of like, and it shows up at the very end. He got that part because he had failed miserably when he tried to audition for uh, for Indiana Jones. He actually auditioned for the part of Indiana Jones, and when he was doing so. Uh, he tripped over some cords for some lighting that was in the floor. Uh, and that's not something you want to see when you're thinking of Indiana Jones, a guy who just is really kind of <laughs> no clumsy. clumsy. <laughs> uh, but Spielberg remembered him and he thought it was kind of endearing. And so he cast him for this part. That's pretty sweet. Uh, E.T.'s face design uh, was loosely. Oh, by the way, that's one thing I really paid attention to was the actual design and the function of E.T., Man, for 1982, he's impressive. He's impressive. Very, yeah, you're right. Very lifelike. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of like bad looking puppets, CGI, like ET. I would dare say that ET was superior looking to, you know, than Yoda. I would go he, that he far. Had a lot, he had a lot more moving parts, that's for sure. He did. Uh, for sure. Um, but his face design was loosely based on uh, photos of Carl Sandburg, Ernest Hemingway and albert einstein mm. but they kind of took those old men's faces and kind of crashed into et's face yeah. interesting drew barrymore was told from the beginning that et was real so anytime she saw him remember she's really young in this <laughs> so she believed it so when et That's dies adorable. so when et dies those tears are real tears yeah. when she thought et really died oh <laughs> That's one way to get method acting or yeah. What do they call it? It's it's yeah. yeah. A scar child for life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's messed up. The principal at Elliot's school was played by none other 
than Harrison Ford. However, you never see him because his one part that he shot, he only shot one scene, they cut from the movie. <laughs> that's a cool, that's, that's really cool. That's no idea that happened. Because he's already a, he's already a name by, I mean, he's already Han Solo by here. Oh, so. yeah. He's got all the star power in the world. So, yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Of course, famously, M&M's turned down to be the candy in the movie. And Reese's Pieces said, hey, hey, we'll do it. Uh, in just two weeks after the film came out, Reese's Pieces profits increased by 65%. Oh, shit. Understandably so. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that, that's definitely like a movie. There's candies you associate with certain movies, but Reese's Pieces, I mean, it, it's a gimme. It's a gimme. When it was actually used as a gimmick in the film, huge. It's very smart yeah. by Reese's. Yes, yes. And I'm sure M&M's was kicking themselves Yeah. after that. Much like Columbia. Yep. They can kick each other. Yes. Yep. Uh, spill. Yeah, they can hold each other and, <laughs> and, and sob. <laughs> and Rochambeau each yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spielberg and Madison did have a sequel in mind for E.T. Obviously, that never happened. And we should be grateful because the rumor that came out is that the plot included uh, mutated E.T.'s who come <laughs> to Earth and kidnap the kids. And E.T. himself has to save them. That's kind of what the sequel is sort of based around. That's I'm scary. very I'm very happy that never happened. Yeah, me too. That's I'm, probably yeah. for the best. Yeah, I think it would have really soiled E.T. for sure. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to end it on this. Spielberg, of course, put a few references to Star Wars and E.T. Uh, we already mentioned Elliot talking about his Star Wars action figures. But also, uh, this movie takes place over, ha- I guess this is technically a Halloween movie, because it takes yeah. place over Halloween, and uh, this is one of those we could do this argument. Is it a Christmas movie? Is this a Halloween movie? Uh, I'd say so. But of course, the kids go trick-or-treating, and one of the main ones that sticks out is there's somebody dressed as a Yoda, who E.T. Uh, pays particular attention to. Like, he really stands out. Uh, and this is, of course, as we mentioned before, George Lucas and, and Spielberg are very good friends. And in fact, and you can go back and find this. I did because I was fascinated by this and didn't remember it the first time. But in Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, during the very famous scene that everybody loves, I'm sure, the Galactic <laughs> Senate, when they're, you know, the whole, that whole part, uh, you know, it's just a bunch of pods in the scene with aliens, different alien races in it. One of the alien races, and you can find this, and you can pause it, and it's there, is the E.T. race. Yep. Whatever race it is, yeah, it is there. It is a part of the Star Wars universe. So, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of weird and wild theories about it being canon or like like Star Wars and, and that. I know it's just a nod, but it's, it's so cool. It's so cool. In my brain, they're in the same universe. <laughs> yes. Oh, 100%. So it destroys the a long, uh, the, a long time ago in a very a galaxy far, far away theory. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like that's that's the ultimate knot. I didn't know this until probably about five, six years ago. I didn't know. I definitely didn't notice it the first couple playthroughs. And I seen something on YouTube about it. I was like, what? I looked back and it was real. Only in episode one, though. They must have been separatists yeah. in episode two. So. <laughs> strangely i do want to know all about the, the politics of the ets <laughs> and i've never said that before about anything yeah <laughs> uh, just very just out of sheer curiosity uh but uh that's the did you knows for et let's get into where et stands in pop culture today 
phone home. Matt, obviously, this is still a top 10 grossing film that says something. It's in the Library of Congress. It's a movie that everybody knows. It's part of Spielberg's legacy. And he's by far one of the biggest names in entertainment. So I dare say E.T.'s not going anywhere. And he's one of those few movies that was such a huge hit that they didn't do any other films with. Right. And that's kind of makes it stand out, too. There's no sequels to it thankfully right. as we said right doesn't and, touch the legacy yep right yeah so its legacy stays intact and i think a lot of people who grew up in the 80s hold this movie in special regard i know anytime that it's released on a streaming platform it's a big deal uh it's it's man it's still and it still holds up today the movie itself because i like i said i watched it just a couple of days ago i still feel it holds up very very well i love this movie and we still talk about aliens today uh, and aliens are never going to leave pop culture. It's been in a pop culture for decades now and it's not, mm-hmm. and those aren't going anywhere. And this will be one of the centuries, honestly, if you really think yeah. about it, yeah. um, dating way back yeah. uh, in the day. And that, and it, in a sense that was considered pop culture uh, in the 14, right. 1300s, you know what I'm saying? So, Oh yeah. Aliens are never going away. No, 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 they are not. So uh, I think for that aspect, when it comes to entertainment, uh, E.T. is always going to be there. It's going to have its long-lasting legacy. I do think it'll be one of those where you uh, kind of forget about it, like I had done. It's not that I forgot about the movie, but it's just not one you talk about a lot. And then you watch it again, you're like, oh, man, I love this film. It's one of those, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of time, like I see, there's, you know, I... I I don't know how many kids from this newer generation went back and watched ET. I don't know that. Like That's my brother, I don't even I don't even know if my brother's ever seen it. Uh which is truly like it's it's kind That's of tragic. A great question. Yeah. Um you know, it, there's like if we talk about with signs like it's 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 one of those movies where, like it's a mega hit, mega classic. It has a pretty good following, nowhere to the near like of a Star Wars or something like that. Um you know, as far as like nerdum and, and all that, but um but I, I am curious about, you know, where it sits with like this new generation of of kids, moviegoers, all that stuff. Cause I mean family films are really not like a big priority anymore. Yeah. Like if you look at movie theater listings, there's very rarely any kids' movies that come out. They do terrible. They do they don't do very well. So I, I, that's, that's one question I, 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 I'm very curious about. Um, and as far as like legacy goes, like, I'm pretty sure ET's area and universal studios is still up. If you know, it was big enough to put it there for some time, if it's not up anymore and I've read it, I've read, you know, I've ridden the rides, uh, you know, once it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, I'd read it for the wrote it for the first time, like, uh, it's probably like 13 years ago. And it had been up for quite some time at that point, and it was still very busy. It was still very busy. So, um, for like my generation, your generation, ET is like that that cult. Like, it, it's I can't even call it a cult film because it was never um, underrated. But it's it's got a huge impact. You know, a huge part of a lot of people's childhood, and and they all can quote it. They can all talk about it. 
And uh, but yeah, I, I really don't know if this new generation appreciates it the way ours did. Um, you know, they just like all their superhero films and, and, and all that stuff. And it's just like, which is not nothing, nothing wrong with that, but just E.T. is just a, you know, a family movie for a very, very different uh, generation and culture. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, even one of the scenes where Elliot and E.T. are on the bike in the air going across the silhouette of the moon. Uh, that is like an iconic shot in, from just movies history. Yeah. So just for that one shot alone, I think this movie has a a, a, a lasting legacy. I sure do hope so. I sure do yeah. hope. I, I do hope my kids and, you know. I mean, that's been so, spoofed so many times, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they actually did. Uh, wasn't there a DVR or, or no, some kind of like TV company or something like that? had a scene where they actually brought back the dude who played Elliot. He has his own family. Yes. Yep. And they brought E.T. in. And E.T. comes back. Yep. And E.T. It was it was really cute. It was a really adorable commercial. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was within the last five years or so. Yeah, and was, uh, like was, even recently, I've, I've I was playing. I don't. Sorry to brag. I was playing Lego Jurassic Park. And, <laughs> sorry to brag. <laughs> yeah, sorry to brag about that. Uh, but w- in one of the uh, cut scenes, if you look in the background, there's ET and LA going across the moon. <laughs> really? Like, really? Yeah, yeah. Which part? I don't remember now, but I Damn do remember it. that he has a lot of references. Like there's a Jaws reference in it too. I mean, it's a Spielberg movie. So yeah. All right, I gotta find that. I love that game because you can actually unlock Spielberg too. By the way playing the game i do know that i do know that okay i i'm gonna have to find this these uh these spielberg references but but that is et the extraterrestrial matt uh coming up next month is the month of spooky so we're going to obviously use that as our theme it's halloween month what are we going to cover next time on retro pop all right so next time two weeks I'm really excited. I've actually contemplated doing this uh, doing this topic a few times now. I'm glad I'm, I waited till October for it. Um, we are going to discuss my, again, one of my, depends on what day of the week you ask me, one of my favorite video game franchises of all time. All right. Uh, we're going to talk Resident Evil, the video games. I, I'm not touching the movies. I'm not. <laughs> movies are trash. Um, that, we're going to talk Resident Evil next next time. Next time I, uh, you know, myself and Johnny return, talk about the video games, uh, all the fun layers to it. There's a lot. Resident Evil has an incredible lore behind it, and uh, it, it fits in perfectly with the month of October. So, yeah, that's and that episode will be brought to you by the Umbrella Company. Uh, <laughs> thank you uh, for Matt Johnson. I'm Johnny Townsend. Thank you to all you poppers out there. I'm sure you enjoy that nickname. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you who listen. Until next time. Thanks for listening.